Finally, God sent a symbol to say, it is well, and I won't have to do this again. Does anybody remember what that symbol was? Say it out loud. The rainbow. So we can see the rainbow and say, God is never going to flood us out like that again. But also the rainbow says, why? Because we have Jesus Christ. And that we go to him to have our sins forgiven. And things can be made right again. For you, for me, for everyone. Let's pray. Lord God, we know that we are bad sometimes, that we make mistakes, some of them big, some of them small. But we thank you, Lord, that you love us so much and that you sent us Jesus Christ, and through him we can be forgiven. And God, too, we thank you for the faithfulness of Noah, that he followed you and he listened to you, and that through him all of us got a fresh start. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. It is part of our worship to give thanks, to give praise, and to give back, to give um, a portion of that which God has given to us. And so this is the time when our ushers will collect our tithes and offerings. For those of you who are watching at home, you are welcome to make a donation online. You can go to bit.ly slash give to AFUMC, or you can mail your offering to First United Methodist Church, 308 North 2nd Street, Altamont, Illinois, 62411. So let us take a few moments to give thanks and praise and collect the offering.
Let us give thanks to God. Those of you who are here, you can stand as you're able. As we sing in our hearts or out loud, praise God from whom all blessings flow. can be seated. As we now enter our time of prayer, I invite you to pray for all of those who are listed in our bulletin in the prayer section. I'd like to add Jo Simcox to that list. She is currently at the Lutheran Care Center um, for some rehab and recovery, so if you will please pray for her. And for all of those who, even though the vaccine is out, are still uh, quarantined in nursing homes, retirement centers, and things like that. We want to continue to pray for our country um, as we continue to fight the coronavirus, pray for those who are working on the front lines, and uh, just also for our country in general as we seek as Christians here to share God's love and God's peace. I invite you now into a few moments of personal prayer time. Oh God, you who are our creator, you, our sustainer, Lord, you, our savior, Lord, we thank you for all the ways that you have moved in our lives and in our world this week. If we had just opened our eyes, we could have seen you each and every day. And maybe some of us did. But I know that we probably didn't do it enough. Because, Lord, you touch us, you move us, you guide us all the time. And so often we miss it. Forgive us, Lord. God, you have blessed us in so many ways this week. And, and Lord, we thank you so much for the 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 sharing of the vaccine, Lord. We thank you, Lord, for the opening up of church again, for, for worship in the buildings, worship in community again. And at the same time, God, we still thank you for the technology 
that allows us to stay connected even if we can't be together. Lord, we pray for those who are in need. Lord, we pray for those who are in need of physical healing. And Lord, we pray you heal them. Lord, we pray for those who are in need of emotional healing, those who have mental illness, are suffering from depression. Lord, we pray that you will heal them, lead them to places of healing. God, we pray for those who need to be healed spiritually. God, that includes some of us who feel just separated or far from you who feel a bit lost, or maybe a lot lost. Lord, help us to see you again. And for those of us who feel close to you, God, help us to lead others to you, to show them where you are in each and every day, and to share all the ways that you love us. Lord, we pray for our world. We pray, Lord, for our leaders. We pray, Lord, for peace and justice. We pray that your kingdom will be lived out here and everywhere. But, Lord, we know that we fall short in doing all of those things. So, Lord, forgive us for our sins for the places that we fall short. Lord, convict us of those places. And God, we ask forgiveness. And we thank you for the grace that we have found through your love and through your Son, Jesus Christ. Lord, you know there is so much more upon our hearts, and we know that you hear our prayers even when we don't speak them. Lord, you hear our prayers even when we don't know what those prayers are. But now we join our voices together and we pray to you saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. I see that some of you saw my very late uh, Facebook post and email about bringing a Bible with you. If, if, if you could, and if you did, that's great. If you didn't, that's fine. Normally, we would have Bibles in the pews, um, but we haven't returned all the books yet because we're not at, at wh where are we? Phases? Phase five. So, <laughs> so but today we are going to jet stream our way through part of Genesis, and that's sometimes helpful if we can, like, turn and, and look at the pages. So, um, so if you've got your Bible, and if you have a Bible handy at home, go ahead and pull that out, and we're going to start looking at some stuff. We are continuing our series on God's messy family, because we're messy, right? 
And I'm not just talking about your kids' bedrooms. I'm not just talking about the garage. I'm not talking about all the text messages and emails that are in your phone. I'm talking about how as people, we're messy. But God's family has always been messy, all the way back to Abram and Sarai, who, as God's chosen people, still got themselves in a heap of trouble, were not perfect, yet God still used them. And most importantly, God was always with them, and God always loved them. So we have worked our way up to the story to about chapter 15. So if you've got a Bible handy, let's go ahead and turn to to chapter 15, and we are going to just stream through some of the highlights here. So the Lord, we talked about this last week, the Lord came to Abram in a vision and said, Do not be afraid, Abram. I am your shield. Your reward shall be very great. And this is where Abram said, Hey, you promised me that I was going to have kids, and at this point I don't have any. So what's the deal? That would be the page revised standard version not the New Revised Standard Version. But God encouraged Abram. He took him outside, and we think this was during the daytime. But God took Abram outside and said, look up at the sky, and he saw all the stars. So God performed a miracle right then. He did the impossible. He showed Abram during the day all the stars. And he said to them, look toward heaven and count the stars if you're able to count them. That's this verse 5. So shall your descendants be. And so what did Abram do? He believed. He believed him. God told him that he would have descendants. Okay, I'm really old, Abram says, but I believe. So then we go through to chapter 16. And at this point, um, Abram's about 86. Prime parenting years, right? And, and so I think Sarah would have been about 75. Again, prime parenting years. And, and, and there's still no child. And so in chapter 16, Sarai takes the matter into her own hands. She knows that God has promised Abram a child. And so she says to herself, well, if I can't do that, maybe my slave will. And so she gave Hagar, her Egyptian slave, to Abram. Now, I do not want us to overlook the fact how messy and kind of icky this actually is. All right? Hagar was a slave. No choice in the matter. But Sarai said, well, Abram's got to have a child somehow, so I think this is the way to do this. Because slaves served as surrogates in that culture for women if they couldn't have children. And so Abram agreed. Abram laid with Hagar, and Hagar became pregnant. Was Sarai happy about this? Actually, no, she wasn't. Hagar was pretty happy, apparently, and Sarai didn't like her attitude. And so she kind of was really mean to Hagar. Hagar ran away, but God came to Hagar and said, I'll make this right. Don't worry. Go back. Things will be fine. In verses uh, Genesis 16, 7 to 12, the angel found Hagar by a spring of water in the wilderness. And he said, Hagar, slave girl of Sarai, where you have come from and where are you going? She said, I'm running away. 
And the angel of the Lord said, return to your mistress and submit to her. He continues then with a promise. The angel of the Lord said to her in verse 11, Now you, shall con- you have conceived and shall bear a son. You shall call him Ishmael, for the Lord has given heed to your affliction. So she went home, home, back to Abram and Sarai, had Ishmael, and she went herself with a promise that her son will be safe, and her son will have descendants as well. So now we move on to chapter 17. How old is Abram at this point? He's 99. Even better for parenting a child, right? Yep. Mm -hmm. And so how old would Sarai be at about this point? About 91, maybe 90? Again, great age for raising kids. Can keep up with those toddlers so easily. But the Lord again appeared to Abram and said in verse 1, I am God Almighty. Walk before me and be blameless. I will make my covenant between me and you and will make you exceedingly numerous. Then Abram fell on his face and God said to him, As for me, this is my covenant with you. You shall be the ancestor of a multitude of nations. No longer shall your name be Abram, but your name shall be Abraham. And Abraham means father of many nations. <laughs> Makes sense. Exalted ancestor. So your name shall be Abraham, for I have made you, made you the ancestor of a multitude of nations. I will make you exceedingly fruitful. Um, skipping down then some... Um, He says, you know, I will establish my covenant with you. The whole of Canaan will be yours. And so from this covenant, we have circumcision. If you want to know more about circumcision, talk to the adults at home. And then in verse 15, God said to Abram, As for Sarai, your wife, you shall not call her Sarai, but Sarah shall be her name. I will bless her, and moreover, I will give you a son by her. I will bless her, and she shall give, shall give rise to nations. Kings of people shall come from her. Then Abraham fell on his face and laughed, and said to himself, Can a child be born to a man who is a hundred years old? red. I'm on red. You want to bring me up some, uh, sorry, we're having some battery issues. So. Okay. All right. I'll just continue to talk about it because I do that anyway. 
So, where were we? Oh, Abraham was laughing, right? Because God said, and Abraham thought this whole problem was solved with Ishmael. He had a child. He had someone who could have descendants. But now God is saying, no, it's actually going to be through Sarah that you're going to have a child. Now, Abraham's a little worried about Ishmael. He said, well, what about Ishmael? You know, um, you know, are you, are you going to care for him? And, and God said, yes, I still will. Because he says in verse 18, and Abraham said to God, oh, that Ishmael might live in your sight. That's him saying, well, what about my, my first child? I do care for him. Ishmael's about 13 years old now. And God said, well, Sarah's going to be the one to bear you a son and the descendants, but I will take care of Ishmael. So now we come to chapter 18. Boys, stop talking in the background. <laughs> they're trying to fix the microphone problem, and they're being noisy. But I'm thankful for them. What? You could go to that mic. I could go to that mic. Yeah. Okay. Turn me on. Both on the channel 11 and on the regular one. I'm seeing you. You're getting? Okay. Sunday I was here and I said God doesn't care if worship is perfect as long as it's authentic I said that since the very first Sunday I was with you <laughs> and here we are again so anyway chapter 18 this is a great part of the story because this is where the Lord appeared to Abraham by the oak of Mamre as he sat at the entrance of his tent in the heat of the day I mean, if you're a man who has possessions, which Abraham did, what are you going to do with yourself in the middle of summer in Israel? Probably as little as possible because it is darn hot. So he's sitting in his tent, and these three men appear to him standing near to him. I'm on verse 2. When he saw them, he ran from the tent entrance to meet them and bowed down to the ground. And he offered them hospitality. He offered them the most important thing that you could offer during those days. If you were a stranger and you came to someone that you didn't know, you would be offered hospitality. I've said it before. There were no Holiday Inns and there were no McDonald drive throughs so you depended on other people to provide for you when you were in a strange place. And so... Abraham offered them hospitality. He offered them water and food, and he told Sarah to bake a couple of loaves of bread, and, and I'm going to go and slaughter um, uh, an animal, and we're going to have a feast for you. And then in verse 9, they said to him, Where is your wife Sarah? And he said, There in the tent. Then one said, I will surely return to you in due season. And your wife, Sarah, shall have a son. And Sarah was listening at the tent entrance behind him. Now Abraham and Sarah were old, duh. Advanced in age. That's for those who skip to this part of the story. It had ceased to be with Sarah after the manner of women. Do we know what that means? She was in menopause. 
She'd had hot flashes. She was not gonna have a baby. Not gonna. So Sarah laughed to herself, saying, after I have grown old and my husband is old, shall I have pleasure? The Lord said to Abraham, why did Sarah laugh and say, shall I indeed bear a child now that I am old? Is anything too wonderful for the Lord? At the set time, I will return to you in due season, and Sarah shall have a son. But Sarah denied, saying, I did not laugh. I didn't really, no, I, I didn't laugh. What are you talking about? She was afraid. And he said, oh, yes, you did laugh. God knows. God knew when Abraham laughed. God knew when Sarah laughed. God knows when we laugh at the possibilities and the promises that God puts before us. <laughs> Me? Really? <laughs> You've got to be kidding. I imagine that's true for some of you during the um, calling to ask you to be on a committee season of the church. When you get that phone call saying, will you be on the trustees? And you laugh and you say, <laughs> me, really? You got to be kidding. No, I don't want to. Oh, okay, okay, I'll be on the trustees. You all have been very good at saying yes, by the way. So we appreciate that as a church. So anyway, the rest of the story. Now, other things happen in chapter 19. There's this big mess with Sodom and Gomorrah, cities who did not offer hospitality to God's angels as Abraham had showed us the model of hospitality just before that. Then in chapter 20, Abraham and Sarah travel and they journeyed toward the Negev and they lied about being married. Why would they do that? They made a mess. Remember I said, these are God's messy people. They made a mess and they lied to Abimelech about being married because Abraham was afraid he would be killed because Sarah was so beautiful. And it was just messy, 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 and God made it right. And then it's finally in Genesis chapter 21, verse 1, the Lord dealt with Sarah as he had before, and the Lord did for Sarah as he had promised. Sarah conceived and bore Abraham a son in his old age at the time of which God had spoken to him. Abraham gave the name Isaac to his son, whom Sarah bore him. I believe Isaac means he who laughs. You get it? The laughter in all of this? And Abraham circumcised his son Isaac when he was eight days old, as God had commanded him. Abraham was a hundred years old when his son Isaac was born to him. Now Sarah said, God has brought laughter for me. Everyone who hears will laugh with me. And she said, who would have ever said to Abraham that Sarah would nurse children? Yet I have borne him a son in his old age. God did something impossible. God did something that was too hard to actually have happen. And yes, it was messy. And Abraham and Sarah did not help that messy process whatsoever. The end result, they never could have guessed. But nothing is too hard for God. Abraham, through all of it, sustained his faith, even when he laughed. 
he didn't falter in his following of God's promises for him, and he didn't understand, though, God's timing. And that the way God saw things working out was not the way that Abraham would see things working out. God's timing is not our own timing. We talked about that last week. That we want things immediately. And God's like, maybe not yet. And we might have a version, our perfect version, of how events are going to unfold. But maybe through our own sinfulness, or maybe just because this is part of God's plan, or maybe just because it works out differently than we had imagined. Is anything, though, too hard for God? God made Sarah pregnant, even though it was past her time. When God does the hard stuff, the results may not be what we expected. Abram and Sarai, back when they were Abram and Sarai, expected that as soon as God made God's promise to Abram, that he would instantaneously be the father of all nations. I imagine he went home to Sarai and said, let's go build a crib. We're going to have kids. And that didn't happen. And Sarai then grew impatient. She lost faith in the promise that God had given her. So she decided to take matters into her own hands. And that caused a mess. She gave her slave Hagar to Abram. Ishmael was born, but there was a lot of hurt feelings involved in all of that. A lot of hurt feelings. Even when God told Abraham that he was going to be a father yet again of many nations, when Abraham was 99, Abraham, like I said before, thought that that was Ishmael. He had already decided how this plan was going to end. He had already seen for himself the end of the story. But God wasn't done. He, God said, you're going to have a child through Sarah. And so Abraham and Sarah, when God first came to Abraham, Abraham and Sarah did not expect that Abraham was going to be 100 and Sarah was going to be in her 90s when they had their child together. Like I said, this is not the way they would have written the story. But God provided. And God works through the hard stuff and worked them through the hard stuff, as God promised to do. These same lessons apply to our own lives. God does amazing work in our lives, unexpected works. But too often we put our own game plan in front of us and expect things to go our way instead of the way that God would have. Or when things don't go our way because of sin or other messiness, maybe we just give up hope. Or we expect that if we have this plan or we have this promise, it's going to work and happen just like that. When instead we forget that we need to depend upon God's timing. I want to tell you the story of my stepdaughter, Kiera. This is really my husband Todd's story. And so I've asked him permission to share it because I wasn't a part of most of it. During the pregnancy with Kira, um, her mom 
had a great healthy pregnancy. Things were going great until about the day before Kira was born. And then things went terribly, terribly wrong. When Kira was born, she was not alive. In fact, technically she wasn't alive for the first 30 minutes after she was born. The doctors were not sure that she would survive and they had no idea what kind of brain damage would be done because of the lack of oxygen that she had experienced. She was in a coma for the first two weeks of her life. She suffered seizures. And the doctors told Todd and Kira's mom that she wasn't going to be a normal kid. She probably wasn't gonna walk. She probably wasn't gonna talk. She would have cerebral palsy continued seizures, and would have to be on some very serious medicines. This is not what Todd and Kira's mom expected, and it certainly wasn't something they wanted. But they had faith, Todd had faith, and they fought, they fought for Kira. They got her the best doctor in the state. They took her to years and years and years of therapy physical therapy, speech therapy, occupational therapy. And she miraculously improved. She crawled, she moved to walking, but it wasn't easy. She walked on her tiptoes for a really long time. She had to have braces for her legs. In fact, when we were cleaning out one of the houses, we still have the braces from when she must have been really only about like that tall. She learned to speak, but she had trouble uh, with a speech impediment. People had difficulty understanding her. And, and because of her cerebral palsy, she couldn't do the same things that other kids did. Like she couldn't go outside and play in the snow for a long time because the, the cold would cause her muscles literally to just be in pain and she'd have to come inside. But she kept trying and Todd and her mom kept working and fighting for her and Todd kept praying. Throughout her youth, she struggled in school because of her learning disabilities and her behavior issues that were caused by her brain injury. But she persevered, and again, Todd prayed every day. He prayed for his daughter to become the best that she could be. There might have been a time when he would have prayed for her to, I don't know, She's really tall. Maybe be the best basketball player on the team. Maybe be the smartest kid in the class. But his prayers are, were, may she be the best that she can be. Fast forward to today. As many of you know, you've seen Kira. A, she's really tall. You should see her in high heels. Ugh. She's bright, and she's a beautiful young lady. She goes to high school, and she takes classes that meet her needs um, with, as a student with disabilities. Uh, she plays on the high school basketball team. She's not the starter, but she's on the team. She makes rebounds. She blocks out people, and she loves to tell you about how she blocked somebody out or pushed them over when they were being mean to her. She's a walking miracle. And Todd continues to pray every night that God will continue to do the hard work in Kira's life to help her become the best 
that she can be. Here is just one example of God doing the hard things, the things that are impossible. I know of others. There's a woman on our prayer list, Alina Budd, who five years ago was told that she would not live a year because she had such severe cancer. Five years later, she's been living a normal life. She's raising her three children. She's the wife of a pastor. But her cancer has come back. And so we're praying that God will again somehow take the cancer away. But she says, and she knows, she goes, I'm not supposed to be here now. So I know every day is a gift. And I thank God for it. God did the hard stuff. And I believe. Nothing is too hard for God. So trust in God, like Abraham did. That God is moving and working in your life, even when the timing isn't to your liking, even when the results that you see right now aren't what you expected. You know, I, I have a life motto, and it is a live your life in pencil, because you never know when God's going to change the plans. It might be better to say live your life in pencil because my plans aren't always God's plans. My time isn't always God's time. So I need to be willing to roll with the punches. But whatever the case, when we look through the scripture, Abraham and forward, God changed Abraham and Sarah's plans but provided. He brought a miracle to them. God changed Todd's plans, but also brought a miracle. Nothing is too difficult for God. Yes, we might laugh when God says or calls us to do something that seems unlikely or impossible, just like Abram and Sarai did. But after you laugh, then maybe we should rejoice. Rejoice in the promises of God. Rejoice in God's presence and love in our lives. And rejoice that even in the messiness of life, in the messiness of your life, God is with you. And if you're waiting for promises to come true, while you wait, find joy and laugh in the messiness of the family to which you belong, which is us. Ask yourself, is anything too hard for God? And the answer, along with Sarah and the rest of God's great messy family, is no, nothing is too hard for God. Let's pray. God, it takes deep trust. It takes open eyes. It takes a willingness to engage with you, to see all the ways that you work in your li our lives. But you do. And God, we thank you so much for that. Help us. Help us to open our hearts to see what you can do for us. Help us to trust you to do and to work for us. Help us remove the barriers that keep us from seeing your way. Remove our own pride, our own plans, our own expectations, so that we can see your future, your promised future, of forgiveness, of love, 
of your graceful way. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to share just a few announcements with you. Um, our office is now open Mondays through Thursdays from 9 until 12. Knitting with Love begins uh, tomorrow at 9 a.m., so we're excited about that. Our food pantry hours are Tuesdays and Thursdays from 1 until 3. We are looking for drivers for Meals on Wheels, and so we only do that once every six weeks. If you could possibly do it once, maybe just during a certain month or a certain season, go see the loaves over there or give the church office a call. And last but not least, nuts are still available. And so there is a listing in your bulletin about what we have and contact Wyvon if you'd like some more. Um, because, I mean, you don't have to just bake during Christmas, right? Valentine's Day is coming up. Surely there are some Valentine's Day cookies that you can make with some of these lovely nuts. So let us now prepare to close by singing, humming, whatever it is we're going to do. To Lord, speak to me. It's number 463 in our hymnal. Lord, speak to me. him asks so much just for God to speak to us. God speaks to us every day that we might listen. It asks God to strengthen us, and God is there to strengthen us every day if we might trust. God, it asks God to teach us, and God is teaching us if we would just open our ears. It 
asks that we be filled and that we be used. So I invite you to go forth from this space and this place and let God use you. Trust that God is moving in your life and doing mighty things. Let God use you then to share God's love, God's peace, and God's forgiveness with our world that so needs to hear that message. So go in the love of peace, the love of God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Ghost. Amen. Thank you.